0: So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Sven van der De Peer, Creative Director at Tropos AR, a leading metaverse discovery portal. So, Sven, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Julia, Thank you for having me.
0: Great. So, you know, Sven, what I want to talk to you about today was uh, talk about, you know, your, your background and your role at Tropos AR. And then uh, I'd love to talk about your product, how it benefits the teams and the leagues, And I'd like to touch on the NFT market, you know, what are the killer use cases, and of course talk about the metaverse. And then I'll talk about your, get your take on the plans for the next 12 months. So how does it sound?
1: Okay, fantastic.
0: Great. So maybe Sven, you know, for the audience who's listening, could you maybe start by telling us about your background?
1: Okay. Okay. I'm an autodidact with a, a dash of obsessive behavior, meaning that... If I'm intrigued by something, I go all the way down the rabbit hole like I disregard everything and go full maniac like a, like a pit bull holding getting hold over a steak so um, i i um, I found my uh, school rather boring, but I did have like an older brother who uh, studied to be a programmer and i he gave me his old computer and when I was fifteen, I changed the bios of the computer, added an ASCII editor. some people still probably know what that is made it boot with a graphical interface even before there was any Windows. And, yeah. and over one summer, I claimed my dad's garage at age 15, and I sold about 14, 15 PCs, which at that time were very expensive machines. Yeah. And it wasn't until I think Microsoft came out with their Windows 3.1 that my whole first uh, teenage business uh, went down. So uh, in okay. a way, Bill Gates killed my, my teenage company but there you go. after that yeah. i i helped build the, the first ever pc magazine in our region i was one of the uh, first team members on the uh, larian studios team which is now like a famous game developer i was editor-in-chief of official playstation magazine i founded the first ever belgian mobile game development studio i've been like kind of on the forefront of technology uh, and being like the obsessive guy I always am uh, for, for over one, two, almost three decades now, I
0: guess. Okay, cool. So could you maybe talk to us also about your, your background and your role at uh, TropoCR so that people understand what your company does and what you do?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So the origin story of TropoCR actually goes back more than a few years uh, I was hired by my now co-owner, uh, a serial entrepreneur called Sven Franken, who uh, yeah. was about to start an augmented reality company. And he hired me to see if there were any mistakes he was still he was still missing in his plan. And I I showed him the Gardner hype cycle because yeah. AR then was like, ooh, it's going to make a, a lot of money. Uh, and I explained to him that it was way too soon, but especially I explained to him what I learned in the 20 years before being in the video game world the psychology behind digital behavior has a lot to do with gamification and gamification can be uh, uh, i'm guessing uh, if you look at gamification from afar it's all uh psychology triggers that trigger your dopamine system and if you don't get that right within whatever software you're building it's you're going to have a hard time and it's 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 very hard to do in a web ar environment uh so, Web AR for me, it was well. It was a good lead up to where we are now. But I convinced him to uh, work behind the scenes for four years to do a lot of research to start with problems from users and then work your way back to technology. And that's what we've done. What we've done at uh, at AR. So that's why right now, well, we saw the whole uh, data management uh, problems uh, coming and the fact that social media is kind of on the on the wrong side of that. And uh, we built our platform to being an open platform, which allows augmented reality to be placed within any mobile app. So any business can start communicating in it. And they also have data ownership for them as well as for for end users. Okay, which kind Uh of Yeah, which? Okay, go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say, um, so do you guys, so I want to make sure that the audience understands, so do you guys provide an end-to-end uh, platform? What do you guys provide? What kind of tools do you guys provide, and what does it enable? Does it enable to create uh, ER experiences,
1: NFTs, or what does it enable? Okay. Um, we all have one product, which is our SDK, and it's a piece of technology that can be integrated into any existing mobile app. It has a backend which allows you to uh, use a standardized form of content, which you can implement, which you can then basically put AR content anywhere within the within the world, within the AR cloud. And any company that has integrated our SDK can see that content. So even if they're not using your app or an app, the the app you have the the SDK in, everybody can see everything within that AR cloud. And we, on top of that, we add a layer of gamification, but purely end-user gamification towards that user himself and reward that user with digital content. Okay, Um, and where do you guys
0: play when it comes to the metaverse? Where does your company place in that world?
1: Um, I think to explain the metaverse, it's best to like take a step back from technology because when you see technology from afar, there's been only a few big cycles of technology, like cycle one was everybody had a website and as an end user, you could decide whether to visit or not. And that kind of lasted until I think 2007. In cycle two, both consumers and business gave up all their freedom for the sake of convenience. We all moved to social media and most websites became a place where it was mainly static info. So it seemed like a good idea at the time, but at this point, um, pretty clear that it wasn't a cost-effective choice we all thought it was so the metaverse or the spatial web is basically just the the third version of the of the internet and we can now see it on the horizon but it's not fully yet here because a lot of the infrastructure is still being built and over the next two to four years we as a society we're going to have to be able to make the choices what the choice that what that next cycle will become, we'll be able to make them again. So do we go for convenience and give up freedom or do we want true freedom that we had in the previous cycle? So that's what Tropos AR offers. I I know that like Meta and and Zuckerberg and a few other of these companies, like um, uh, the guys from Sandbox or or Fortnite, uh, like they all promise open standards and freedom of choice well let's be honest like their business model is data monetization so even if they offer freedom during the early years they're going to do what they've always done like once uh, they gain dominance the the walls are going to go up and that's what that's how we see the see the metaverse and that's what we want to do we want to help other businesses uh, get their spot in the metaverse with the freedom of having just like your browser had uh, open source protocols with the freedom of working with us, or starting their own uh, uh, version, or working with somebody else, but not being bound uh, to or monetized by any any big company that's uh, that's hovering above them. Yeah, uh,
0: makes sense. So going back to your product, right? Your with some AR components. What are the benefits for the team to use your product, and what's unique about it? Is it it helps to drive the uh, the fan engagement, uh, brand activations? Uh, what
1: can you explain that oh, yeah. what we see augmented reality as the the next medium so like you have print then we invented the radio then we invented tv the internet is kind of the combination of all three augmented reality is the next true medium um meaning it's pure content placed within the actual world within our real world without any without anything surrounding it so that can be. You can do amazing stuff of fan engagement, but it's uh, you can do amazing advertising, and most importantly, all those different types of content will kind of flow into one and become one big fused type of content. So, what's important for our clients is we allow them data ownership of the their end users they communicate with. It's not their company, we in between and then their consumer, it's them and their consumer. So that data ownership is very important. What we also offer is because our network, it's not only in sports, but uh, just like uh, you can kind of compare this to being the, the early YouTube where YouTube was this service, you uploaded a video and you placed uh, the YouTube HTML code within your website and you had decent video on your website. We kind of do the same thing for augmented reality, but then within your your app, meaning that um, your user, he will be able to uh, see a lot of different different content from uh, different makers and from different sports and different markets, but especially the data you uh, generate as a company, which is yours. If we see a way to monetize that for you towards another market, we will do so, and we will charge a fee, but that mon- the most of the, the reward of that monetization, the value it brings will go to your company. So that's one of our big uh, internal drivers. And we're going to do data monetization as well for individuals as for companies themselves. But above all, which is something like, that's the reason why we, we're growing so fast within the sporting world. We're bringing in gamification, but we're doing it in an ethical way because we have a long background of gamification being in the video game business for over 20 years. We truly believe that up until now, digital types of entertainment have used those gamification dopamine triggers to the best of their abilities, and they're eating away the market share of all traditional markets, slowly but surely. But with some ethical gamification on the other side, traditional markets can do a real pushback because in my opinion, there's like uh, going out into a soccer field and playing soccer with my friends is a lot more fun than playing soccer, uh, playing FIFA on my PlayStation. And as soon as you bring some gamification to the traditional markets, we really think you can make those traditional markets be the dominant player again and not be the, be the, the market that shrinks uh, every year and has to find new ways to monetize the same, the, the ever shrinking crowd. So We truly believe that with gamification, which is a digital thing, but now when you can put digital content within the real world with AR, you can bring gamification with it. If you do that in an ethical way, I think we have a bright future ahead of us for a lot of traditional markets. And the sporting market is right within the center of that. Okay, great. So uh,
0: could you maybe just clarify, so your company is based in Belgium, right? And how many many employees do you have today? Because I think you say you're growing pretty fast
1: oh yeah Uh, we're uh we're uh belgian macedonia but our team is 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 belgian france uk uh partially the netherlands scotland uh, macedonia uh and there's probably a few more countries uh, coming pretty soon so now we're up to i think 17 people like starting with yeah we were four or five i think like a, a year ago but yeah there's a there's an even there's a way bigger push coming in the next uh, twenty four months. So if everything okay. keeps keeps evolving like it's evolving now, it's uh, it's exciting times ahead. How much have you raised so far? How much money have you raised? Um, the last round was four hundred and ten, and we're up to almost a million, which all comes from our our, our seats uh, people. So okay, we're, we're we're kind of starting the the actual real uh, next funding round uh, now. Okay, great. So uh, another
0: topic I want to discuss with you, obviously, SoRare, which is one of the largest NFT vendors in the world, they raised $680 million last month. There was a lot of buzz about that. The next day, the UK gambling regulator request, you know, there was, they were in the news, right? Because they were they're basically requesting SoRare to get a license uh, in the UK where they operate. So. What is your take on that? Is that going to be an issue for most of the NFT vendors? They're going to have to get a license from those regulators to operate. Uh, and then the other thing I've heard is that there are some people believe that there might be a risk of money laundry uh, with some of those companies, which is why those regulators are asking for regulation. What is your take on that?
1: Uh, let me answer the so thing first. Yeah. I, just like every company, once they bring in digital entertainment which can be where you can do gamification on it the line between gamification and flat out gambling tactics is really thin yeah. so i can imagine just like in the in the in the video game world it happened as well like i know the fifa guys uh, what they did with their fifa cards and the loot boxes from uh, from fortnite like some of that stuff is is unhealthy because Uh, We really have to protect our consumers uh, and not like not take the dopamine system for granted because you can you can really go wrong there. So that's why we stand for ethical gamification. Um, I think part of what Sorare, uh, what they're looking into at Sorare is, is this still. Just some type of entertainment or are we going uh, full full gambling stuff, which has to be there there, there have to be some regula- uh, regulation on that because just like there's regulation on on alcohol and, and tobacco and all other kinds of stuff, you need regulation on that as well. The other thing with nfts you can kind of compare like there's a lot of comparisons with nfts and the the art market because just as with an, with a piece of art when a piece of art gets resold, to a new a new owner, the of the original creator gets gets his share again and That's again, right. which is yeah. which is which is similar to NFTs. But I in my previous company I had a well a very wealthy investor who kind of opened he was into art and like because I got to know him pretty well, he then yeah. explained me that the art world is a world where there's a lot of like it's a very small world with um let's say the like art has in many cases no in inherent value like it's the, the value people like think a painting has like there's some paintings where i see and i think like yeah my kid could have done that which is i like no disregard to the to the artist but in a way it's true um so it's who it's not what is made but it's who made it and that world is one of the world where there's in the background a lot of stuff going on financially which is really really not okay because you can do a lot of money laundering within the within the art world so i can immediately see that regulators compared nfts and the art world and they're now like oh like we have to like i come from the cryptocurrency space as well which is also uh, very open to to money laundering and all that so yeah it's um uh, good luck to the regulators. I think it should be regulated. Like I think we should have a, like like society is going to work better if it's if it's regulated. Even sometimes when that regulation like goes against you, I'm like uh, I'm for the uh, for the advancement of humanity, not for the advancement of our company or our, like me as an individual. But on the other hand, uh, good luck to the regulators in getting because man, technology is moving so fast, and there's so many new stuff coming up that they're going to be uh in pursuit of of fixing stuff even more than they than they were in the past so i think it should be regulated i hope the people involved are ethical etiquette uh, ethical themselves and and like uh, do no wrong but you know as well as i do that when there's a lot of money involved people's uh people's uh, ethical uh, ethical side sometimes gets uh, compromised
0: yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, and I, I think I agree with you. I think there should be some sort of regulations, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's an evolving market. Um, you know, you touched on the, the metaverse early on. The big news last week was the fact that Facebook changed its name to meta. Uh, there was a lot of buzz about it. After that, some, literally every single company in the world, <laughs> the tech world, and now basically said we've got a, meta, a metaverse uh, platform, for example, Nike. Uh, announced they have this meta, you know metaverse basically and they, they are hiring someone to drive the metaverse for them. So I feel like back in 2006, 2008, when I was uh, at IDC I was covering mobile advertising. Every single startup I talked to claimed to have some sort of a mobile advertising platform. And I feel like we're back in the same same situations where it's becoming a hot hot space and everybody claims that they have a metaverse play or strategy right or platform. So what is your take on that? And, and how is the markets going to evolve? Or are we going to see a bunch of companies collapsing, shutting down because they don't really have a solid, a solid business model? It's just a bunch of, uh, it's bluff. I mean, it, they don't really have anything. What is your well, take on
1: that? Um, like, to me, it's funny because like we've been now, we've been around for, well, we've been officially around for a year, but behind the scenes, almost two years. And up until Zuckerberg's uh, uh, explanation, we always got the advice from our mentors and people we work with and like startup accelerators, like take out the word Metaverse because nobody understands it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, well, I toned down the Metaverse part in the presentations I did, but I never took it out completely because I I knew it was, it was coming. I can understand that a lot of companies were in the same situation that we are in, that they are are already working on Metaverse stuff, but because the term wasn't generally accepted, they weren't communicating it yet, and now they can. It's just like 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 we do, like people, like uh, I, I gave a talk even the day before uh, Zuckerberg's, which is online now, which is called Welcome to the Metaverse, but uh, we, ha- we held it low key as well. Uh, the companies that now say, ooh, we have to do something Metaverse and we have to jump on it, i wouldn't want to be in their shoes because if that's your business tactic if you don't have a long-term plan you should have been working on metaverse stuff for a long time and then you can now come forward with it like just wait for the big guy to announce it first and then like uh, and, and then also like step into the limelight but people that like well yeah the ones that say they're going to do metaverse but it's not really metaverse they're they're not going to go uh, not going to come very far and I even believe that believe that Zuckerberg and and and, and meta as a company has a, a real uphill battle uh, in front of them because the metaverse the big new medium it's going to be uh, what where the battlefield is going to be is is augmented reality for augmented reality you only need a camera so the the app that opens your camera is kind of like uh, useless or, or not important anymore, and the players that now have hardware, they have an amazing lead in deciding who's going to be big in the metaverse. And and Facebook doesn't really have a good track record of of creating hardware. They created the Facebook phone years ago. Most people don't even remember that they do. Uh, it's not that the best hardware engineers for for hardware are at me- are at uh, at Meta or at Facebook. Uh, so they have a uh, like I can understand their uh, the, their tactic, like doing this and going going all out and then claiming the space, but claiming the space by words and actually claiming it, especially with all the negative buzz around Facebook right now, it's a different thing. Like uh, it's an it's an open market, it's a capitalist society. So good luck to all of them. But yeah, I uh, uh, there's there's other players in the metaverse which i think are going to be a lot more important than, than, than the meta or, yeah, or some yeah, of the other well, ones now yeah i definitely see why you would say that i mean uh facebook has
0: some level of success with hardware they had the obviously the oculus the quest uh, the portal uh, not the, the the Ray the ray-ban glasses they're definitely trying uh but it's not something that's that easy for them to do but i think we have to give them credit but doing that, but to your point, my, my view is that as soon as Apple is going to release those you know, AR or VR hybrid glasses, everybody's going to follow. Everybody's going to follow. And I'm hearing that all the big tech companies, Microsoft, Apple, Samsung, they are all working on hybrid AR, VR glasses. And so, but I think the one, the one company that's going to have the best experience, the best hardware and software integration, VR and AR is going to be Apple. Why? Because they really have high standard when it comes to the user experience. And I think it will set the standard and everybody else will follow Facebook, Microsoft, Samsung, as they always do. Uh, but I think it's gonna be positive for the end user because you're gonna see a lot of innovation. And on top of that, I think that a lot of the software companies even take Roblox, even take like a uh, complex you don't expect in the software world. I think we have a very important uh, role to play.
1: So oh, yeah. it, it's yeah. exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 uh, exactly what I'm thinking. Like, this is only like we're now in the in the training phase of of, of true uh, augmented reality adoption. Once glasses come into the picture, like like we already did some well a lot of research on one, what that market would be like and what the the first evolving markets within within AR glasses would be, which is uh, seniors is a very big one because most seniors cannot uh, wear contact lenses anymore, so they have yeah. to wear glasses all day anyway, and they have a hard time navigating small screens, which is also solved. Yeah, there's there's more than a few things. So like, yeah, I I understand that the guys at Apple just say like, yeah, yeah, let the let the Meta guys uh, have their moment, uh, have their time in the sun. Like, we'll 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 will come on stage when it's uh, when it's ready to go big. Yeah.
0: So gets exciting. At the end of the day, it's, it, it's all fun, I think, uh, for all of us. So last question is, what, what are your plans for the next 12 months? What are you guys trying to achieve? What are your goals? Um,
1: we always knew that what we're building as a technology, we couldn't launch it at the bottom of the stairs and then move our, our way up because it, it only works at a high enough scale. So right now we're, we're working... Uh, on landing uh, some deals with some very big players within the broadcasting uh world within within sports as well as some of them outside of the sporting world um where uh, yeah like those will be uh, once one or two of them land like we want to expand into us and and asia as soon as possible and yeah. once we have our platform it's it's really kind of like 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 youtube like it's we don't have to make the backend content. Everybody with with Unity skills can do so, and we're already yeah. in talks with some of the of the. I don't know. Like, if your viewers want want to have like a clear uh, view of the metaverse, they should really look into John Radoff, which is like uh, he's the owner of I think his comp- company is named Beamable, and they make building blocks for uh, content creation now yeah. for video games, but it's going to be a lot of uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, metaverse stuff as well. So we're going to work with companies like those so that any company anywhere in the world can work with this local player can create ar content very easily implement it put it into the put it into the air clouds let their consumers enjoy it and and own the data rights and well then we'll be there to offer the infrastructure in between of course we have we have some business models on top of it and we do data monetization for them but with a way fairer view so Right now, the next 12 months is still going to be a lot of life sports focused. Let's hope in these next 12 months, we can get back to a more or less normal society worldwide. And then after that, we're coming after a few different other big markets.
0: Yeah, that's great. So look, uh, we're at the end of the the podcast interview, but I wanted to uh, thank you for your time today and wish you all the best for the future. So thank
1: you for being on the show today. Okay, thank you. Yeah, man, and a big fan. Uh, so the content you guys put out is always uh, is always very insightful and very deep. So it was it was an honor for me to be here. Great, but thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Okay, Julia, bye.